Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 64 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Martin Higgins from theeternities.com. Hello, Johnny. Thank you for coming. You're very welcome. So how did we we meet we met at the digital nomad summit that you organized a couple of weeks ago and uh, I decided to come and grab you onto my podcast uh, the eternities so the how did you actually hear about the nomad summit Um, a friend of mine who was here with me in Chiang Mai um, on uh, a a festival a fruit meetup called fruit winter um, uh, or like it's a, a gathering of raw vegans in Chiang Mai um, he's just moved here um, and he's done a, a course called the dropshipping lifestyle or the, or the, the Anton method which uh, you're, you're a graduate of and um, yeah he and, and, and a couple of other people at the fruit meetup were are, um, sort of based here now or, or um, living in Chiang Mai for a few months and um, have businesses or are working online or are starting businesses and he's just moved and he's looking for a business so he was uh, he was going to the uh, the summit so one interesting thing that you told me is that you were a raw vegan for a while or you were living in a commune yep that was about 12 years ago um, I uh, I wanted to I wanted to get away from um, normal life massively and uh, go and get back in touch with nature, get back in touch with myself. Um, I was unhappy in my job in London, um, working as a, a night reader, reading newspapers through the night. You know, believe it. You know, what, you, what is you a night can, reader? You can be unhappy doing that working at night, uh, on nights. What was you, the actual job? You read newspapers on a computer, um, looking for keywords, so the computer will identify keywords that are related to things searched for by PR clients. Okay. Who are looking for coverage of their clients or their, you know, their companies that they that they work for in the in the press. So um, we would have to then read the newspapers as they were published very very quickly, which means at night. Okay. So and then make all the clippings and then send them out to the client. Um, and then if there's anything negative, the PR companies can start their spin and things like that. Yeah. I I always just assumed that you know people would wake up and they would see let's say their clients like. <laughs> Paris Hilton on the front cover and say, you know, oh my God, we got to fix this. But I, I guess it makes sense. There's an entire industry of people that are just scouring this stuff overnight to have the, the first yeah. jump on it. Being even more proactive and, and getting the jump on as soon as possible. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was unhappy there. And uh, it was it was a long time coming, really, was this sort of idealism in me to get away and, and uh, live in something that was like community that we don't really have in normal sort of Western society anymore. And uh, so I did a bit of a search online and I found a, um, a bunch of English people that are actually starting one in Andalusia in Spain. Mm-hmm. But the catch was you had to eat a raw vegan lifestyle to be there. And that was new to me, so I thought it's worth the price to give that a go, to go and live um, you know, in this little slice of um, natural paradise, I suppose. Kind of worked okay, you know. It's and it, I read the books and it seemed to make sense. You know, we're the only animal that cooks food, etc., etc. 
you know, cooking food um, destroys a lot of the nutritional content. So, you know, it, it made sense. You know. I would go and live there just to be part of that that lifestyle where, you know, you're closer to nature, you, there's no stress. Um, totally. And I think there's a lot of uh, def- you know, definite benefits of it. It's 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 hard because you there's so much evidence um, that's con- you know contradictory out there. Uh, for example, eating raw kale. There's there's two sides to it. You know there's the people that swear by it and they love kale shakes in the morning. And then there's the other side where you know they've they found that there are it's hard for your body to, to digest raw kale um, because of anti nutrients from the plants. Exactly not wanting to, to be eaten, be eaten yeah. by animals. I'm actually, I got back in touch with one of the guys that founded the community a couple of years ago um, through, through Facebook. And um, he was giving a talk near where I live and uh, back in the UK. And his take on nutrition had really uh, developed since that time. Um, he was, um, and he's been studying it for you know 20 years, studying it on himself and so on. Um, and he's got into running detox retreats in, in Devon on the south coast of England so you know he's got a take on it and I would say he knows his stuff and now that he's more of a speaker than a writer and people have been asking for years when are you going to get a book out so I'm now helping him write up a book um, on new diet and nutrition and it's what you just said there is very true it's that you know we, we, we tend to sort of get very analytical with food and say this food is good this food is bad and very early on in his talks with me he said you know it's 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 there's n- there's nothing that's just good and nothing that's just bad um, so his his take is to is to look at where we've developed these bodies we've developed them over millions of years according to him living in the forest you know hominids eating high fruit uh, and even a little bit of uh, animal protein and all the rest is greens so he says quite simply get into line with that and then that sort of will save you from um you know, looking at all the scientific research mm. and breaking down the food and, and that kind of thing. Just simply try and get back to as, as, as much as you can to that kind of lifestyle, which is easier said than done. But he says, my message is do what you can, not do what you can't. I really like that. And I know for a fact that it's nutrition is way beyond my own scope, but also even, even the professionals out there, the researchers, the professors, the experts, Guarantee that in the next twenty years, you know, it's going to change, change as again. well. Uh, so, the only thing we can acknowledge is the standard McDonald's diet is nobody can agree that that's healthy. Absolutely, and I, I would even say another big rule of thumb is is the agricultural based diet. You know, mm-hmm. the the like you said about the the plant antigens. We've only been eating a lot of these uh, crops for like eight thousand, ten thousand years, and that's a blip in evolutionary history. So. You know, we didn't adapt to eat wheat and uh, corn and, and rice. You know, we adapted, apparently, you know, on a on a a diet that's you know based in living in the jungle in Africa. So, well, even a lot of the the fruits and vegetables nowadays are like let's say tomato, for instance, which is technically a fruit but also considered a vegetable. So that's a good example. They taste nothing like they used to. You know, the actual amount of nutrition, vitamins in it are completely different. And yeah. I was very disheartened to find out about uh, chocolate because I re- I'm a big fan of dark chocolate. And I, I was listening to a, a Freakonomics episode uh, podcast where they've, you know, they were talking about how because of a fungus called Rich's Bloom that 
it wiped out 80% of the world's chocolate. And the trees that grow cacao now uh, are nothing like they used to be. They produce 10 times as much cacao. Uh, and they're super resilient to uh, to this to this fungus, which is great because we have chocolate because we would have completely ran out. But uh, it tasted like rusty nails, <laughs> and they couldn't have that. So what they did is they figured out a process where they can make it taste kind of like nothing, like kind of bland but still be chocolate. And I have no idea what that actually does to the health benefits because I know cacao is, you know, for you know thousands of years has been a very healthy thing. Um, but things have changed and things will continue to change. So that's why I don't like talking about nutrition too often, uh, because I myself am still going through the process of learning and figuring things out. Uh, I know for a fact that I'm a lot healthier than I was when I was completely misinformed. Yeah. And and there's usually just a handful of things that you can cut out that will give you massive uh, benefits. Um, I interviewed somebody for my podcast, uh, Richard Manning, an American journalist that's uh, written a book about um, civilization and what it's what it's done to us in agriculture. And, and he says, you know, just just make the experiment, cut out wheat, cut out sugar, cut out dairy, I think, and see what happens. I mean, you know, and, and sugar, yeah, I said sugar tonight, refined sugar, and see what happens in a couple of months. One hundred percent. And I would say also get a baseline. Uh, you know, not only measure and weigh yourself, but go and get a blood test and. That is really the only way we can see trends. Um, so, you know, even, no matter where you are right now, get a baseline blood test, get another one in six months, get another one in six months, and see if, if they're getting better or it's getting worse. And if it's getting better and you feel healthier and you feel happier, even if your diet uh, is something so wild that no one else agrees with and everyone else tells you that's wrong or you shouldn't eat that way, as long as you, if you personally, if you were going... You know, if you're literally becoming healthier on paper, you know, through uh, through these tests, you know it's working for you and continue to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not an expert either. And, and I think it's, um, I don't want to jump into all that information. So that's why I like uh, the approach of my uh, co-writer, Dow Earl. You know, um, it's just so simple. Um, and um, yeah, I, I don't know about blood tests, but yeah, see what works for you and um, and don't get lost in the intellectualization of of, of of everything that's out there because it will confuse you and, and um, just try it yeah like you say try try and see what works for you and one but one thing that, that I have noticed is every diet out there now that actually works even though they have different names and they can even sound completely different like most people would would say paleo or bulletproof is completely different from raw vegan because in the paleo world or the bulletproof world you're eating a ton of butter and animal products and and grass-fed meat uh and obviously raw vegan you don't eat any of that but if you really break it down and just you know sat down took 20 minutes to write out a column of what you can eat what you can't eat you actually notice that 90 percent of it is actually very similar where even in the super high fat uh, uh bulletproof diet yeah. which is you know a plant and animal based diet you eat, you basically cut out the same things. You know, you cut out all processed foods, you cut out all refined sugars, you cut out, uh, you know, all these things that you're not supposed to be eating, like right. um, like grains and. And that's where the similarities lie, and, and yeah. they're obviously the, the the main culprits to to poor health. Yeah. And I think if you just cut that stuff out, and as you were saying earlier, uh, the rest of it is kind of like, well, some people are going to say, to you know, what can you eat? <laughs> and some people are going to say, you should 
you should eat raw kale. Some people say you should eat cooked kale. Some people should say you should eat cooked kale with butter. Some people should say, you know, you eat uh, cooked kale with coconut oil. But at the end of the day, you you know, if you're eating 80% kale with some kind of healthy fat, it's it's not that different. Right, right. So uh, what actually is the Eternities, by the way? Oof, uh, it's a it's a well it's a website and it's based around a podcast on conversations with uh, writers and thinkers on um, consciousness and human potential. Now, what is our human potential? Oof. Uh, again, it's a little bit like with the diet. I think the big thing is 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 a reaction to um, what is holding us back. You know, it's a reaction to what is holding us back and, and trying to eliminate those things and then. I think that we have been held back by things like, as we said, poor diet, poor lifestyle, poor education, poor political systems. Um, I, you know, we we're, we're just com- we're coming out of the industrial revolution, and you know, human potential was not a massive priority of the culture in those times. Um, you know, the masses were fodder for um, you know the factories and so on. Um, so I think we're, that we're just waking up to. And I'm coming out of things like religions and so on, and, and I think that we're we're now sort of coming out of those dreams and those controlling power structures and starting to think, okay, so what what are we here for, and what can we do? So I don't know the answer to what human potential is as a whole, but I know for individual potential, we are most of us are being held back. I mean, years can pass without us really accomplishing anything, without us really learning and growing or being happy, and I think that that was. That's been my biggest fear pretty much my whole adult life is having three years pass and nothing nothing has changed, you know. And if anything, I'm usually in a worse place three years later on. I mean, you're, you're physically, your body is probably not going to be as healthy as it was three years ago. Um, you might even be in more debt. Mm. <laughs> you know, you might, you know, you might have basically just wasted three years of your time and I feel really bad because every time I go back to the U.S. and ask my friends, oh, what have you been up to? Usually the answer is all the same thing. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, you know, and we catch up. And I'm like, no, no, so tell me, you know, how's the job? How's the relationship? How's everything? And sometimes it seems like an entire year passes without people doing a single thing. They literally do the same thing five days a week. And on weekends, they go to the pub or they go to a bar and drink off the the misery and the stress. That's exactly it, isn't it? Is no editing on this okay. podcast um, <laughs> that's exactly it I think that you you have to anesthetize yourself um, when you're not getting fulfilled um, which also holds you in that in that same place um, I mean one of the big things for me at the moment one of the big themes is realizing the damage that mainstream education did to me you know I was you know went to a normal school and I've recently done a podcast um, with um, a guy who runs uh, the Aero Foundation in New York, which is the alternative education resource organization, along with a young guy who's a, a recent product of, of something called unschooling. And um, so I think that that's what sets the trajectory for our lives is going to a school where, you know, you are, it's authoritarian, really. You are forced to learn their syllabus um, you don't get a chance to continue with your own um, natural ability to learn. Uh, and what this guy said, um, uh, I think his name is Jerry, um, is that um, we learn to walk, we learn to talk, we learn about our immediate environments. That's all fine. And then for some reason, the state steps in and says, you know, enough of that. 
enough of your own natural appetite. We're literally going to force feed you information now. And so what I believe teachers find with these kids is after about eight years, they tend to often lose their natural ability, their natural appetite to learn. And then it gets a challenge to actually get this information into these kids. So that by the end of this whole process, you don't really know who you are anymore. You know, you've lost your spark. You know, we've seen things on TED. Uh, there's a great um, video on TED by, um, I think it's a, an English guy talking about these things, about testing kids when they go into school and testing kids at the end of school in terms of you know, certain things that you can sort of test in terms of creativity and, and, and so on. And they're, they're you know, they, they've plummeted at the end of this process. I, I know for me, I, I didn't get that much out of school. I, I'm sure I did uh, in certain aspects, but if you actually ask me what did I learn, I can write it down on one piece of paper. Same for me. And it, it sucked. Uh, it, was, it was a complete waste of my time. I could have learned a lot more to do something else. But it's uh, not a waste of society's time because now you're socialized, you're conditioned. And so we don't really know how to sort of feed our, our soul or our spirit or whatever word you want to use. We don't know how to do it anymore because we've been sat in rows of, of you know, 30 kids, you know, facing the front, being told to be quiet. You know, it's a conditioning process as well. And it's so. great to train employees. Uh, and that's the only reason why I can get away with paying an employee $180 a month in the U.S. to, to work for me part-time. Uh, instead of them you know, saying, you know, I also want to be an entrepreneur. I want to move, move out to Chiang Mai. I want to move to Thailand. Well, yeah. This, this is the situation that you're in. You, you, you've, you've escaped the system and you are now using the system. But, mm. I mean, you, you're not a revolutionary. You don't have the power to change you know, the fates of, of millions of people. You know what? I beg to differ now because okay. we have unlimited free information. Uh, 10,000 people a month listen to this podcast and not everyone's going to do something about it, but they all have the ability to now. Right. Uh, the information is out there now. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where, yeah, you can, you can let fear hold you back. You can have excuses. Uh, but if you really wanted to, there's really nothing stopping everyone listening to this from saying, you know what? I'm gonna sell my car. I'm just, you know, I have. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move out and figure it out. Uh, not everyone is guaranteed to succeed. I really wish I can say 100% of people who move out here succeed, but I would say 100% of people I've met have succeeded in some aspect or another. You know, maybe they're not all making as much money as they was hoping. You know, maybe not everyone is killing it. You know, maybe people are, you know, just getting by still. But the fact that they now have free time and uh, no stress, they're probably happier and healthier in all aspects. And they have time to explore different things and network and learn and grow. So I really do truly believe that even though simply moving to a place like Chiang Mai isn't the, the answer, uh, it, it really is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. And I suppose the aim of my podcast is to try and free people in other ways not just you know financially it's uh, you know we can all free ourselves with our attitudes and, and you know we can try and heal any you know damage that's been done through education or you know and so on um, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm looking to try and put good information back into you know and, and be a part of that change as well and you already are I mean yeah. so you have you know your podcast you have the site the eternities and you're a contributor for disinfo.com <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Disinfo has a lot of. Disinfo is a great site for um, progressive, progressive and radical information. Um, 
So every time I, I make a podcast, I write a, a, a short piece and um, put that onto the Disinfo blog, which brings in um, some of my downloads. Um, so they have a lot of great contributors. And um, so each, each piece that I, I post is uh, exactly sort of the, the choice uh, quotes and a, and a short description of each podcast. So how did you become a contributor or a guest poster for Disinfo? I think I was just looking for some um, PR, really, just yeah. just looking around to try and boost my downloads. Um, I just emailed them, and um, somebody covered it. First of all, like they they were just sort of um, another contributor um, put a story on about one particular podcast. And I think I kept bothering them, so they just said, "Oh, here you go. Here's the here's the password to the mm. uh, the WordPress site. You're a contributor. Away you go." That easy. Simple as that. That's very cool. And that kind of just shows that if you, you know, it, I just learned something. Maybe I should become a contributor for a site that, you know, that wants these type of podcasts. I mean, that's, the, the internet is amazing. I mean, you're talking before about social change on the internet. The internet connects people and it spreads information. And that's, you know, it's a revolutionary new innovation in human history. We all know that. That's going to bring, we're, we're going to be looking at changes from this for a long time. So I've, um, you know, I've just dropped an email or even a Facebook message, and within like twenty minutes, I've had Dean Radin, who's a, a, a very well-known um, researcher into psychic phenomena. Uh, he had a book out on Facebook, and um, he posted on Facebook, and I messaged him, and within twenty minutes, this you know top-level researcher agreed to an interview with me, and that's what the internet can do. You know? It's a beautiful platform, especially because it works for us. 24-7 and I, this is something that I kind of take for granted I, I forget and I don't take advantage of it as much but what had happened in the last couple of weeks leading up to uh, my dive trip is I knew this is going to be the, my, my first time in pretty much since I started my dropshipping stores that I was going to be completely without internet for three days I was going on a liveaboard dive boat uh, in the Similan Islands in, in Thailand where there was going to be no uh, cell phone reception or Wi-Fi just because we were so far out from the ocean that and I had booked the trip um, during the weekday so I was going to be gone basically Monday through Friday uh, because it takes a, a day to get out there and you're on the boat for three nights and then a day to kind of get back yeah, yeah. and I was like I am screwed you know <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do because uh, you have to check in every day with your business yeah and it's not that I had that much more to do uh, but I so what I've been doing in the past, if you guys listen to past episodes, I would wake up an hour before I went diving or I went on a trip and I would just check all the emails, fulfill the orders, make sure there's no fires and I was fine. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't mind doing this. You know, it's my business is not growing at that time, but it's everything's still happening. This is the first time where I was completely black, you know, without any internet and luckily, my girlfriend Larissa offered to help me, but I was like, you know what, I don't want to rely on her, and I know on the next trip, she's probably going to come with me, so I, I can't rely on that either. So it forced me to really automate m more of the business to hire uh, the Filipino VAs, the virtual assistants, and get systems in place. And I re had realized I, ne I had never done that. I had just, you know, did everything kind of on my own, figure it, figured out how to cut it down so I don't have to work that often, but it, was, it still relied on me. And my goal for those three days was to come back with m enough sales in my stores to cover the dive trip uh, and 
not have any customers pissed off. So those are my <laughs> basically my own two goals. And that all that you reached those goals in those three days. So my original my monetary goal was to make a thousand dollars that week in profit. And because the diving itself was six hundred dollars, and my flight to Phuket from Chiang Mai was four hundred, I didn't make that goal. Mm. I I wish I did. Um, it was a slow week of sales. Who knows why? It, you know, uh, things happen sometimes. Maybe it was you know right before Valentine's Day. People were saving up their money for something else, or people were paying off their bills from. But nevertheless, from you, whatever it is. you got close while you had no input into the business exactly. whatsoever. I, I covered the actual diving itself, so I made about six hundred dollars uh, during those couple of days. And at the end of the day, I'm still happy. You know, I'm like, for two reasons. One, if I had a normal job, I wouldn't have been even been able to go on that trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, especially you know on a whim. Uh, and then second, I wouldn't have made any money. Well, maybe on vacation days, I think they still pay you a salary, but it's not like you're making money while you're down there. So I was still very happy. Uh, well, this is one of the themes of the, uh, the Digital Nomads Summit that you organized, which is that you know, you, what you want to do is create systems for your business. Mm-hmm. And I think the first speaker said what he does with his business, he keeps replacing himself. Right? Yep. So he does everything first of all and then gradually replaces himself, which is... An amazing lesson, really, that, that, I, that I got from Extremely there. smart. Uh, by the way, if you guys want to watch that video, I think that was by Leon J. Uh, and he's the CEO of something called uh, Fusion HQ, uh, as well as one of the, the co-owners or founders of Coffee Monster, which is one of the co-working spaces here. His video, as well as all of the speakers, uh, are now live uh, and free to watch at nomadsummit.com. Or... Somebody had actually just messaged me after I put them up. I announced it. Uh, someone who didn't go to the summit, and they, I think they listened to my talk first. And I'm talking about the other speakers and wrapping it up. And they said, "Can you, you know, please um, put it in chronological order so I can watch it from beginning to end, just like as if I was an attendee." So I wrote a blog post on it. I'll, I'll link to it. But if you go to johnnyfd.com, um, the post is called something like all the speakers in order (laughs) nothing too fancy but i that way you know you can basically attend the event virtually from your from your home and we've decided to make it completely free just because we didn't pay the speakers to come they all volunteered their time and energy uh, to share this information and they gave away i mean it's it's something that people easily would have paid five hundred dollars to come attend you know people would happily pay a couple hundred dollars to watch these videos online but we just decided, you know, it, let's just make it free. Let's just, you know, let's try to help as many people as we can. You know, it, maybe in the next summit, if we if we do one next year or six months from now, maybe we'll charge for it because we realize it is a lot of work, uh, and people really got the value out of it. So I think we definitely will charge something for it in the future. I wonder if the energy comes over in the videos because the energy in in, in the room that day uh, was amazing, and, it, and it's. Uh it's stretched right through the week for me and it's really propelled me and my own sort of, you know, I'm looking to start a business perhaps and um, the energy and creativity that I've got has just been amazing from that day. I'm so glad and, and at the end of the day, it's one of those things you kind of have to be there to experience that, to network uh, with the other attendees, be able to talk to the speakers afterwards. I mean, it was pretty, much, I mean, it was pretty open. I mean, did, you, did you meet any cool people while you were there? Yeah, yeah, one or two. I mean, I was mainly there with friends, but just just the energy of, of the of the day um, and the speakers themselves. There's so many great little nuggets that, from each of those speeches um, that um, I mean, you can read it in a book, you can read it online, but 
it, it just transmitted over in a, in a very different way. And uh, yeah, I, like I, it. I think it's hard to capture there on video, especially yeah. because so the videos uh, don't show the whole audience. Uh, I think next year we'll have a camera in the back as well, so you can see, you know, the you know all the attendees. I mean, there was 150 people in a pretty small seminar mm-hmm. room, and unfortunately, you you can't really capture that um, when you just see the speaker, but the information is there, mm-hmm. and it was. It's one of those things where I feel like even now it's been a week and a half or two weeks since that event. People are actually putting their their nose down and working mm-hmm. and. and you know, setting their goals and implementing things, uh, which is what my talk was about. Um, instead of just kind of going through their day to day and thinking, you know, how how could they pay rent this month? Mm. They're thinking about the big picture now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just been getting ideas, racking my brain. Um, I'm still in the creative phase, which is great. You know, that energy is great to be in. But I'm also now keen to sort of try and start and start manifesting some of these ideas. Um, but the, yeah. but the creative phase is. Uh, it's uh, so inspirational and it's fun you know I think so I've always wanted to to write a blog post um, called like the entrepreneur's hierarchy of needs never actually got around to it but based on the old Maslow's hierarchy yeah and Leon had mentioned something about it in in his talk where he said you should start on top self actualization you know actualization you know think about the big picture think about your passions Uh, don't worry about how to make money it'll come and I definitely agree for the way that he put it, um, and I think you know, in the ideal world that would happen. But I also know, as someone who kind of struggled and went through it, and I was broke, and I was like, I don't want to move back with my parents. You know, I don't want to run out of money. I don't want to have to interview for jobs again. I knew that I couldn't think that big. I de- in the ideal world, I would have thought that big, but I just could not do it. And the whole the whole idea of the hierarchy needs is that you can't even really begin to think about actualizing yourself until. You know, you've um, you've had your basic needs. needs yeah. So my basic need was I wanted twenty thousand baht a month in income, which is six hundred US, which isn't a lot of money, but that's what I needed to live in Chiang Mai uh, decently, so I can you know I can do what I want to do and not worry and stress about money. And if if I didn't make that um, within a few months of becoming a digital nomad, I would have had to move home. Mm-hmm. I would have you know there's no way I would have been able to stay. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was, even though, you know, in retrospect, and I'm sure a lot of people would say, oh, you were thinking too small, you know, you should have aimed for the stars. Um, you know, I, I was pretty happy. I mean, honestly, I'm sure I could have done things differently. Uh, but the way that my life has turned out in this last year and a half, or even the last five years, um, you know, being in Thailand, it's, it's, it's all worked out for a reason. And I think it's worked out for the best. Mm. Yeah, it's about getting to those plateaus that for you relatively are the stars, right? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, when I was a, a digital nomad 13 years ago, that was an amazing place to be. But I was a freelancer. I had to write. I w- didn't have my own business. I had a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in Berlin, and it was getting into autumn. We were getting, me and my girlfriend were getting cold, and we just sort of suddenly looked at each other and thought, why don't we just go to Spain, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> which was an amazing thing to be able to do. But after this summit, you know, a couple of weeks ago that you organized, um, one of the uh, speakers said, be careful when you start in these businesses that you don't just give yourself a job. And that was another fantastic nugget for me because me personally, that's me thinking small, you know, mm-hmm. is, is, wow, look at this, I'm independent, I'm generating my own income, but all I'm doing is making another job. And now 
that's just taking the blinkers off for me is is don't be scared to make a business mm -hmm. and you know i definitely created myself a job the first six months but it was a nice job where i can you know still make the same amount of money as i would have back in the u.s but i can do it from wherever i wanted right. to i can pick up my laptop and you know, go down to the islands for a few weeks and work from there if I wanted to. Uh, so honestly, for me, I mean, that was perfectly acceptable. Mm -hmm. I know there's plenty of people out there who are making far more money than me that are much, you know, have better systems in place. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, I'll get there eventually. But I mean, to be perfectly honest, you know, I, I think we should just we should also be happy and enjoy the present mm -hmm. uh, with whatever we have. Because if you're not satisfied you never will be that's the most important thing i mean one, one of the fears for me going in this direction is is sort of overstretching and and getting stressed and and suddenly having loads of responsibilities and i think that if you you the the sort of um the way around that is to be, bear in mind the tim ferris book which is the bible of this of one of the bibles which is the four hour work week which is you know free yourself keep freeing yourself keep mm -hmm. making time keep making a lifestyle that can allow you to have lots of time so speaking of stress you know we were talking about uh, earlier offline how you suffer from, from some uh, fatigue or was it chronic fatigue it's sometimes called chronic fatigue syndrome so i had that after um shortly after i left the the commune uh, my health started to fail and it failed very very slowly and so i ended up sort of rotating foods thinking it was just some issue with some food until finally i just had to really con conclude no 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 you are actually sick Mm -hmm. So I ended up sort of lying on a couch for six years, pretty much. Do you think it had anything to do with the environment of the commune? Or the food? or? I've racked my brain for a long time. There's so many sort of suspects I've got for this illness. Um, all I know is I tried lots of things to get well. And the, the only time I started to improve um, in any noticeable way was uh, about a month or two after I got my all my mercury fillings removed. Um, mercury fillings leak they go into your bowel they will destroy the gut flora I believe but they all leak if you have mercury in your mouth they leak a little bit some people are more sensitive to others depending on you know your body and where it's at I suppose so I started my body it felt like my body there was a change in my body that it recognized it wasn't being poisoned on a daily basis anymore and it started to strengthen and improve yeah so I did a lot of research on mercury fillings because you know I had read um, all this and you're actually the first person I've met who's who's had a big positive benefit from taking it away so it makes me consider it even more now but <coughs> the research I did and uh, talking to, to Dennis uh, that I trusted I had basically you know came to the conclusion that a we never should have had mercury fillings mm. in the first place that's a hundred percent second you should never put them in mm. <laughs> and I think you know I think nowadays they, they, they won't put them in at all anymore right well no they will they um, still will in the UK, they will. And in fact, my dentist back home will still tell me this is a great materi material for, um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't contract. You know, the, the new materials, the replacement materials, my dentist was saying they're getting better, but they will leave gaps. Mm -hmm. So you start to get decay in the gaps. And she was singing the praises to me still of mercury. And this is why I don't trust it is because I, I'm, it's hard because you, you think the dentist has your best interest in mind. And, they, and I'm sure they do, but they're also so busy that the information they get is usually from the manufacturers of the actual fillings uh, from Big Pharma. Exactly. And even though dentists often or doctors have great intentions, 
a lot of times they are they yeah. themselves are misinformed. What it seems to happen is that you get outliers that sort of are like the canaries in the coal mine, and you get people will be getting sick from a variety of things that the mainstream sort of scientific establishment has not yet picked up in terms of their research. Mm-hmm. So the the dentists and the doctors are sort of the extensions of this massive sort of um, establishment, and all all their information is generally based on. Um, you know, published papers and so on. That takes a while sometimes to sort of catch up with these outliers that are getting sick. And the thing is also, I understand because even though, for example, that worked super well for you, it, that may not be the case for, you know, the majority population. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess the medical field isn't interested in what, you know, what hap- what helps mm-hmm. one, you know, 1% of the people yeah, or 10% what, of the people. That's what they call anecdotal evidence, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's difficult to, to really figure out how effective it is. So for me personally, <clears throat> and everyone, you know, I would encourage you to do your own research on it because at the end of the day, I'm not, you know, none of us are experts on it, um, yeah. even the dentists. Yeah. So get, you know, get information from as many sources as you can. But for me, uh, I'm not going to take my mercury fillings out because I'm not having major reactions from it. And the dentist actually said, by me removing it, it, it when they drill it out, you yeah. get a big surge of the mercury poisoning. There is a protocol for lessening that. I don't know how effective it is. I was just so desperate that I just jumped in and did it. And I found a good, really good dentist. I paid a lot of money and um, trusted him. And I'd seen videos of people recovering after um, being treated by him. Mm-hmm. I had heard about mercury being a problem before I got sick. I thought maybe I'll get around to it one day. And then while I was sick, I tried so many things. And it was actually my intuition. It was actually, believe it or not, I'd looked into it. I'd been tested for mercury. It's very difficult to test Mm -hmm. through the blood whether you have an issue. And I got tested. Seemingly, there wasn't an issue. Um, But there won't be an issue unless you've actually been swallowing mercury or working in a factory where there's mercury. So it was a few months after that test, I had this dream that was so incredible, all about mercury, and then it woke me up right after this particular scene in the dream, and I thought, listen, I'm so desperate, I'm going to go now, I'm going to do this based purely on, on my own intuition, on my own dream, and, and it worked. Seemed to have, seems to have been the, the biggest thing. I'm really glad it did work, because now you're, you know, you're getting your energy back, world recovery. Uh, for me, personally, I had adrenal fatigue for a long time when I was doing Muay Thai. Which seems to be a part of, of chronic fatigue for a lot of people. It seems like that's what I've also had as well too. And the, so the reason why I got it was I was training uh, two day, you know, uh, two, day, two times a day, uh, doing massive cardio, you know, two or three hours per session. I wasn't eating that much food. I was trying to follow kind of like a low fat <laughs> diet at the time as well. And it's uh, your body. Would, I was just exhausted. I think that's what it was. Um, the things just that burning up your body's resources, right? Yeah, yeah. and just overtraining. You know, I, I think there's a, a good balance between the two. And um, the things that helped me the most was one is adding a lot more healthy fat into my diet. So coconut oil, uh, you know, well, coconut everything, coconut fat, uh, and grass-fed butter. So <coughs> those are the two things that helped me the most. And for my personal experience, um, that as well as adding pink Himalayan sea salt. Uh, I would literally have a spoonful of it every morning and put as much as I could. Sorry, it's interesting that you just mentioned salt and fat. I mean, these are foods that are demonized in our society. Mm -hmm. And um, Dow Earl, who I'm uh, co-writing the book with, um, makes that point quite strongly. He says, you know, and sugar too. He said, you know, three things that are demonized, fats, sugars, and salt. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but the thing is the reason why they're demonized is because we use them to flavor our foods yeah. okay because we are so our taste is geared to finding these things because we need them so mm -hmm. much so what what's happened in, in in the evolution of our diet is that we've we trick our taste we disguise foods that perhaps we don't need or shouldn't be eating with these tasty mm, things that makes okay? sense so the idea is that yes we need these but we need good fats good salts and good sugars right mm -hmm. so we shouldn't um, put this filter over our taste which is actually a sense mm -hmm. taste is a sense mm -hmm. but we use it as a, a pleasure circuit yeah right makes sense so like we, we don't always walk around with rose tinted glasses on right yeah and that's what we're doing when we flavor our food with these things so french fries a good example uh it's fried in in fat uh, and then it's covered in salt and that's why it tastes so good and everyone in the world knows french fries taste good but it's so unhealthy and yeah. you're right it's because it's yeah. it's uh, you know it's not potatoes don't normally have fat or salt it's because we, we cover it with that yeah so and that's why i don't eat french fries so go, go go and try a raw potato if you want to, if you want to eat potato go and eat a raw potato <laughs> the thing is you won't want to so maybe it's not something that we need okay makes a lot of sense i like it um, so now that you've gotten rid of the, the mercury feelings, uh, and, you, and you've had your and you're getting your energy back, um, is there any what can what have you learned from that process? Oof. I've learned so much from from being sick for so long. I've had to become aware of, of how long were you sick? <clears throat> I was probably sick for about six years, but either side of that, mm -hmm. going in, coming out, uh, not too great either. Um, I've had to learn a little bit, well, a, a lot about my own health and nutrition that I wasn't really interested in it. It's a, it always reminds me a little bit of um, the film Blade Runner, the mm -hmm. androids in Blade Runner. Uh, Rutger Hauer's character becomes like an expert in um, genetics because he needs to find out how to extend his life. And it's purely because he's so desperate. And that's been what's happened with me as well. So learning all about health... Um, I still don't follow all the directions. I still slip, drink too much coffee and things like this, which aren't really good for me. Um, but um, yeah, that's one of the, the big things is to learn about health. Um, and also to, to listen to my body. Um, I, I, we were talking about education earlier. Um, I think I'm quite a heady person. You know, The education process for me probably uh, took me out of my body and took me out of my intuition and took me out of my own will and direction and impetus. And it made me into, you know, an intellectual person that can that can do that quite well. But um, um, I'm now I'm trying to sort of get back in touch with my own intuition and my own body. Yeah. I think a, a lot of people are forced to to become experts in things like this because yeah. their own body, uh, because they went through it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, one of the speakers at the Nomad Summit, Ben Finnegan, he was bitten by a tick when he was young and got Lyme's disease, and he got really bad. Uh, after he had broken his leg and he was doing uh, martial arts in the Shaolin Temple, actually, and, you know, just kind of putting his body through too much. And he lost, a t you know, a quarter of his body mass and he became super frail and, you know, b coming from a very healthy athlete, professional fighter, uh, and becoming sick and frail, he decided, I have to figure this stuff out mm -hmm. on my own. Um, Dave Asprey, who was also on this podcast a couple episodes back, he was a millionaire at a Silicon Valley startup, uh, very successful, but he was obese and he was a hundred pounds overweight. And you know, I think you know he was fatigued and he was unhappy and stressed, and he you know had to figure it out for himself as well. 
uh, for me, I was unhappy in my job. I was stressed. I was all, you know, I was very overweight as well. And I was just very unha- unhealthy and unhappy. And that's why it forced me to learn things I do now. So I think, you know, it's hard. It's, it's one of those things where <coughs> ideally these things would never yeah. happen to us. But we don't live in an ideal world, do we? Yeah. And maybe that is the one of the ideal things about it is that it's not ideal. I mean, like I was just thinking the last few days, I wrote a, a novel a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And my, my ambition has always been to be a writer. And so I, I achieved that dream of actually finishing a novel and it was fairly well received. I self-published it. Um, mm-hmm. Fairly well received by you know people that read it independently that didn't know me. And that was amazingly um, uh, rewarding and, and all that goes with that. However, it hasn't become a financial thing for me. It hasn't become successful. It's not something I can support myself with. So I'm kind of loath to go on and write something else. And that failure, if you want to call it that, even though it was achieving an ambition that I can you know, die a little bit lighter, have not get there, um, has got me to this point now where I'm, I'm reconsidering, I'm considering businesses. And, and it struck me the last few days, I thought, had that really taken off, or at least taken off sufficiently, um, I wouldn't be now considering the digital nomad lifestyle and so I'm getting all this flush of creativity that normally goes into you know writing ideas story ideas and so on I'm getting all this other flush which actually could be better for me because it takes me more into the world out of my room sitting solitary writing mm-hmm. on a laptop it's the same thing it's the same force this creativity inside us that is so great to feel and then to sort of midwife into the world and manifest something in the world and so for me you know, it could result in me being out there with people more and, and being back in the world. And, and that's sort of almost sort of ending the circle of, of how education made me sort of in my head and in a room and, and, and sort of abstractified the whole world, you know, whereas now it's sort of like I'm at the end of that process and, you know, getting back into the real world, I suppose. I mean, everything that we do transforms us in some way or another. Uh, and, you know, that book is going to not only last you this lifetime but it's going to be available you know basically forever and it's you leaving a legacy and that's one of the reasons why you know i'm so proud that i have a book and it's for me even today it's not a big uh, money maker for me uh it doesn't make that much actual profit it it definitely can't cover my expenses so i can i don't think i would ever i i know forever i would never want to be just an author you know but what i like about it is i like having my story out there. I like helping others. I like the feedback. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it's not about the money. It's mm. it's, it's, a, it's about a lot more. Mm. But so if someone wanted to read your book, what's it called? Human Plus. Okay. Um, you can get it on my site, um, martinhiggins.net, and it's on Amazon and um, Smashwords as well. It's okay. ebook and uh, paperback version. Right, very cool. And if you guys haven't read my book, uh, my first is 12 Weeks in Thailand, The Good Life on the Cheap. Uh, that I wrote when I was in, you know, I was basically on a really strict budget. I was on a $600 a month budget and it was all about how to live as cheaply as possible. Uh, my second book, Life Changes Quick, is about how I finally figured out how to make a lot more money. And not just that, but <clears throat> reach all my other goals. You know, finally get in shape, be able to travel, be able to build a business and, you know, be able to... You know, I, I think it's just basically part two. I should have just called it the same thing. and just had version one, version two, but this is how it worked out. And the reason why I want people to read the book isn't because, you know, I make a couple of bucks from it. Um, I think if you buy the paperback, I might only make $2 from it or something. So it's not about that. It's about me 
being able to to download my brain and say these are the mistakes I made, these are the lessons I've learned. Um, you know, this is everything I know about these subjects. Like, you know, please don't waste four years of your time like I did. You know, just read the book. You know, it's you know it's easy, easy, entertaining read anyways. Um, and that way, I don't have to answer the same questions a hundred times when you ask me. That's the main reason. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Um, so you know, I think what we kind of learn from this podcast is, no matter what life gives you, you know, uh, take it as you can either take it as a a blessing or a curse. You know, and say, you know, it may be the reason why you know, you got sick or you you got the chronic fatigue is so you can learn these lessons and have the time uh, and motivation to, you know, to study and to learn and grow and push yourself forward. Um, ideally, that never would have happened in the first place. Um, you know, maybe the reason why I was, you know, so unhappy in my, in my job, in my life, and I didn't, you know, I didn't have it all handed to me on, on a paper plate or a silver platter, I mean, and, you know, it was because I was... I was meant to learn these things and grow. And that's why I, I have these podcasts every week. Um, I'm sorry I've been kind of slacking a little bit. I, I think the first 50 episodes never missed a single week. Uh, and then lately I've been, it's been more like two or three a month. Um, but, you know, life gets busy, you know, and I want you guys to, I want you guys to stay informed and stay motivated, uh, be able to learn from all these cool guests that, that I meet. Um, but that, I think that's also why I put you at the summit and all the videos are completely free. And I, and I want you guys to watch it. I want you guys to share it with your friends. Um, out of, yeah, I mean, out of all the talks and out of the, um, the seminar, did you, was there any that you, you know, really, really made a big pressure on you? Or was it the actual event itself? Yeah, it was the overall event um, that made the impression. Um, but the first two speakers really kicked off the energy f- for me personally and that energy was just in me just buzzing for the rest of for the rest of it which was um, as you mentioned before Leon J yeah. and uh, Sean Lee um, Sean's talk was called how to learn earn $20,000 in a month how to make $1,000 a day a day with day. videos online yeah. without taking off your clothes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that one of the things I've learned as well is, is to create many streams you know potentially do lots of projects Follow your passion, um, and um, yeah, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I like it. If you guys want to see what all my streams are, I've been writing monthly income reports on my blog, uh, Johnny FD, and it's a bit awkward to put it out there, uh, but I really do believe that if I was getting started uh, and I can see what actually works and you know what's a realistic goal to from Amazon Kindle Publishing or Udemy sales or a Josh Shipping Store sales what comes from what I think that helps a lot of people so that's why I continue to do it um, Martin it's been really good to have you on the podcast I enjoyed it if people want to find you where can they go uh, the podcast my podcast is theeternities.com mm-hmm. and my site is martinhiggins.net alright guys see you guys hopefully next week see ya thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast if you want to hear more including the bonus how to choose the perfect niche episode join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.